Good day, and welcome to The Buzz, a bank automation news podcast. I'm Associate Editor Elijah Poindexter. Recently, I spoke with Anna Coy, National Financial Services Leader at Financial Consultancy Whipfleet. I spoke to Ms. Coy about the implementation of crypto services at community banks as a tool for differentiation, along with how these banks will adapt to changes in an increasingly digitized financial ecosystem. Yes, we're working with a few uh, community banks who have started down the process already of um, looking to add crypto services within their offerings. Um, anything from you know adding custodial services, partnering with, again, another fintech company that would do the custodial services but add it to their um, platform. So it looks and feels as if it's part of the financial institution, but really there's there's another third party back, uh, backing it from a custody, obviously helps them on the regulatory side as well um, for those financial institutions that have concerns about getting into the space. Um, the other one that we see quite often um, is, you know, allowing them to have accounts um, and, and transfer between the two accounts. So, you know, go from the bank's U.S. dollar into, um, you know, whatever wallet they might have um, into Bitcoin or stablecoin. Um, and, and again, having that all right there, easy for them within their uh, platform from the financial institution. And then there's others who are talking about doing, um, you know, depository accounts or allowing interest-bearing accounts where the interest um, is paid out in crypto, um, you know, versus in U.S. dollars. So I think many of them are exploring um, on the community banking side. You're not seeing them quite in it yet. Um, although there's a lot of activity around, you know, getting getting their charters um, ready and prepared, um, having conversations with regulators, uh, getting their back office. A lot of times it's, you know, getting the technology as well as having the right talent within the financial institution in order to to offer those types of things. And so um, that's, that's where I see a majority of the institutions currently. Uh, but I think 2022 is going to be, um, not, you know, I like to say it's not going to be a trickle effect. I think we're going to see a windfall, particularly if the Fed Reserve and the OCC come out with um, regulation to clarify, you know, where, how they're looking at crypto. Or even if, you know, the Fed Reserve currently is looking at offering the CBDC. And so if that were to come out, I think, you know, you'll see even more jump, jump into this space. It has down here, it says nearly one-third expect to add crypto services uh, within the next 18 months. Is that number similar to the amount of respondents who you, who are just sort of interested and or worried and or paying attention to crypto? So in other words, I mean, is it, what is it, what is just the general sort of view of uh, crypto and digital currencies in these sort of community bank spaces? There's, the, there's one graph that shows um, the details and the number of, of the one to seven, I think it was, and do not went off the memory there. Um, and so those that we have in the likely category, those are the ones who are actually down the path of, you know, they have a plan um, and they're, you know, working towards, like I said, either back office of technology, people or whatever. But, you know, I would expect them to start offering the services um, versus others who may have been in the other continuum that are maybe even following it, getting education, that, that type of thing. But I, I think um, you know, that 30% is, is going to do it um, versus, um, you know, maybe others who are just trying to figure out how does it fit. In the, you know, sort of challenger and digital bank space, I mean, you're spoiled for choice. 
from the perspective of somebody who is still going and using a community bank, um, be it in person or using their digital services or doing some type of hybrid approach, which is what I do and what probably most people in America still do. Um, you know, there are a lot of fintechs that regular, you know, Joe Schmo may not have heard of, but they have heard of Venmo and they have heard of Zelle and they have heard of buy now, pay later. And so my question is, you know, so are banks working to sort of be a part of the quote unquote real time revolution? That's where you're, yep, you're going to see the payment space explode. And that's, I mean, that we've already had, and you alluded to it, the December um, 2021 Fed Reserve came out with their payment study, uh, which they do on an annual basis. And um, that was, this was the first time, first time that we have ever seen the number of credit card uses, whether it's in-person swipe or online, has decreased. And it, it's not that the number of transactions decreased. What's increased is the P2P or the peer-to-peer. And that's your Venmo, Zelle, um, PayPal, others. And so, yeah, that's all part of the blockchain, right? That's part of the blockchain piece. That's part of the crypto um, you know, DeFi, all of those things that, that they're looking at, I think we're going to see the payment side of the industry just explode as we continue through 2022. And, and, it, and let's be honest, it's going to actually help them. Not only are they going to get real system, they're going to cut out third parties and they're going to cut out some of the um, expenses that it, that they incur for those other transactions, particularly on the credit card side. You, you know, there are... There are all these fintechs and all these challenger banks and all these people doing X, Y, and Z. And from the position of a wealthy or a relatively successful, you know, regional community bank, they have a lot of capital and they have a lot of assets under management. They have a very deep community presence in their in, in the region they operate in. So from their perspective, it may seem like, okay, well, this fintech does that. We're not really worried about that because that's only 1% of the overall sort of pie that we can offer in terms of financial services. But it's 1%, and then another fintech does 1%, and then another fintech or challenger bank does 5%. Are community banks going to have to start really considering the sort of larger or more ubiquitous fintechs and challenger banks, not just as, as you know, worrying about maybe what they can do for people that the bank can't, but as straight-up challengers? Well, I, yes, and I think that's why we're seeing them significantly moving towards the digital journey um, and, you know, customer journey analysis and what can they, you know, trying to find that frictionless, um, we say frictionless, secure, and self-serve digital banking. Uh, that's kind of our, our tagline. But frictionless has to be key because, I mean, think about it. Every day that goes by, there's more, you know, less baby boomers and there's more Gen Zs and millennials that are in the, the industry. I mean, that's just, you know, um, that's just human, right? So, mm-hmm. And as that continues, you're going to have more of the millennials and Gen Zs making those decisions of where those assets are. And they're going to be getting the assets from the baby boomers. And, you know, and to the extent that you go back to the um, 46% that the ABA refers to, and they're going to leave your bank if you don't do something on the digital side. And if you're not making their... Uh, customer journey that app allow them to do all of the things that they want to do or if they go to xyz fintech and they can get their paycheck two three days earlier or even one day earlier they're going to do it and so that's why it's now imperative 
um, for the community banks to really start moving because it's not going to be something that they can do overnight um, to make these changes because a lot of their um, technology on the back side is very dated. And so they can bolster on, you know, FinTech A, B, or C, like you're saying, you know, that might do this here and add that there, whatever. but that's going to be very clumsy. And it's not going to give the customer journey uh, that these folks are really looking for that, you know, a nimble neobank or um, some of the fintechs can. I think the other thing that you're seeing in some of these uh, neobanks is they're very affinity focused. And so that's where the community banks can, can continue to keep their edge is a lot of the Gen Zs and millennials are looking for a sense of belonging, right? And so to the extent that they have that belonging to you know, that's their hometown or that's where they grew up or, you know, if it's agricultural focused or, you know, there's a neobank out there that just came out it's just for musicians, right? So the, the community banks really, they start to think about what do, who are they, what do they stand for, and how can they keep that affinity, that relationship with their customers. That's going to be a big piece of this as well, along with the digital side. You know, from your perspective, can you just offer a maybe a, a summary of, I mean, what is the community bank space going to look like uh, 18 months down the line? Community bank space in the future is going to be um, digital first with relationship focus and um, crypto is going to be a piece of it. And those who fall behind, um, unfortunately, I think are going to be on the m and M&A space. You know, I think they're going to either innovate or they're going to be acquired. You've been listening to The Buzz, a bank automation news podcast. Thank you for your time and be sure to visit us at bankautomationnews.com for more automation news. You can also follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Please don't hesitate to rate this podcast on your podcast platform of choice. 